Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. Uh, this week, we're talking to Bonnie Brennan. Bonnie, do you want to say hi? Hi, how are you doing? It's so good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. We had you on a couple of episodes of Adventures in Angular just to uh, give people something to go back and listen to. Uh, one was episode 184, uh, released in April of 2018. That was about Angie Girls. We had Shmuela and Sam, who you know very well. I've I have known her all her life. You all came on and we talked about Angie Girls, which was awesome. And then we also talked about 10 Ways to Lose a Developer. And we had you and Keith on to talk about that one. And that was episode 146 that was released in July of 2017. It was super fun. Yeah. It, so it's been a few months since we talked. I, I'm guessing we ran into each other at uh, NGConf and probably um, we'll run into each other again. But uh, do you want to just give people a real quick summary of what you've been up to? And then we'll jump in and get your story on how you got into JavaScript and Angular and all that good stuff. Well, just the last few months, let's see, I was at an organizer at NGConf. That was a crazy adventure. Uh, that was a lot of work and it was a labor of love. And then I went to Fort Worth for a week with Sam. That's uh, her story. She's actually been up to some really cool stuff, Charles. So you should circle back around with her because she's been working on some, some really fun projects. Then I went to Angular Denver in August with Samantha. Uh, we had a, the, it was a Bug conference up there. We met some very mm-hmm. cool people and we absolutely fell in love with Denver. So ever since then, we've been trying to convince my husband to sell the house and move to Denver. Uh, it was great. I've been doing a lot of Angular consulting. Uh, I run into some common problems, kind of jumping around from team to team. And I see some people when they're learning Angular are making the same mistakes kind of from, from team to team. And so I'm, I've gotten pretty good at helping them straighten out those mistakes and, and uh, make everything smooth so they can get up and running and, and use Angular to its full potential. I just went to the GDE Summit in Waterloo, Canada a month or two ago. That was super fun. Madusha, the host with the most, who uh, was really amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and then upcoming, I have a uh, week after next, I'm going back to London for Angular Connect, which I'm super excited about. And then in December, I'm going to Belgium uh, for NGBE, which I'm also super excited about. Samantha and I cannot wait to see Carmen again. And uh, then we're going to stop on the way back in Paris for a week, mother-daughter week in Paris. Uh, we're super excited about that, too. So there's a, it's just been such a great year, and it's going to be a, a great end of the year, too. Awesome. That, that is terrific. And we're definitely going to come circle back on some of those things. But typically, when I start this interview, I start at the beginning and kind of get a feel for where you came from, how you got into programming, and, right. and all of that good stuff. So why don't you kind of tell your story? How did you get into programming? Oh, well, uh, I got into programming late, way, way late, Charles. I, I really wish, you know, it's that if I could do then, if, if I knew then what I know now, uh, the one thing I would have done was learn how to code much earlier because I didn't even start programming until I was like 30. But before that... Secret? I want to tell you a dirty little secret. But yeah. half the people I interview on these shows, my Angular story, my JavaScript story, and my Ruby story, they got in late. Like way yeah, late. Yeah. And they wish they yeah. could have gotten in early. So 
people out there, if you're if you're thinking, man, I'm I'm in my 30s or 40s, and I'm just kind of figuring this stuff out. You're not alone. It's not that strange. You know, Bonnie did it. A lot of other people do it. So yeah, get into it. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you. I just wanted to throw that in. No, yeah, I agree with you. It's 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 okay to be a beginner. You know, everybody's a beginner at some point, and I was a beginner too. Uh, so, but before I was a beginner, I actually. <laughs> So I was probably, uh, well, I, I remember I was very young. I was in college. I met a guy, um, dropped out of college to get married and have babies. And my parents were like, no, that's such a bad idea. I was like, you guys just don't understand. You know, I know what I'm doing. This is my life. Next thing you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a single mom. Uh, that, that happened pretty quick. And, and so before I was, I was like 25, uh, divorced with an infant and a toddler. Uh, so that was a challenge, right? And I... Um, I got into, I was an, an entry-level clerical, like admin clerk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked my butt off for 10 or 15 years and I, I did well. I mean, I, you know, I had a house, I paid, I had a little tiny, little, cute little house, um, me and my kids and my dog, right? But I think the point is really, I struggled financially. I worked really hard. I always had a full-time job. I always showed up early. I always stayed late. I always was really, you know, I, I mean, I had bills to pay. I wanted a better... I, my car was literally older than me, Charles, <laughs> right? And I didn't have cable and, you know, so there weren't really any expenses I could get rid of. And so the only hope that I had for ever getting a nicer car than this, you know, rat trap that I had was to get a raise. And so I worked really hard. I went in early, like I said, and stayed late. And, and I, no matter how hard I worked, it was like, I always felt like they just like patted me on the head and said, oh, thank you, honey, go make us some more coffee. Okay. And it's like, I, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted a better job. I wanted a promotion and it was never going to happen. And I was so frustrated for 10 years. I was working overtime and trying to prove myself. And nobody ever saw me as anything other than an admin because what, and this is what I wish I could go back and like shake myself. Right. And, and tell myself so long ago, I had to go and learn how to code on my own time. No one was going to come along There was no fairy godmother that was going to tap me on the head with a little wand and say, oh, you're a developer now. Like I had to earn it. And the way that I had to earn it was to shut off the TV after dinner when the kids went to bed and and learn. And like I had to use up my free time, which was kind of hard, right? Um, There are other people that I've tried to help my friends, especially once I started coding, I started making a lot more money. And I went to my friends and my family and my cousins and was like, hey, you know, this is a great job. You should learn how to do this. And and you'll make all this money. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm busy playing Xbox right now, you know, or, or I'm going out of town this weekend. We're going to the beach this weekend. And they never did find the time. And it took me a long time to find the time because I didn't realize, like, I, I worked so hard, but I was putting so much effort in the wrong area because it wasn't, you know, working through lunch, being a secretary to, you know, make up more reports or more coffee for my boss. It wasn't. It was investing that time in myself. And no one was ever going to come along and tell me to do that. So it took me a long time to figure that out. And once I started doing that, once I started learning how to code, I, well, I had to go back actually to $15 an hour because all of a sudden I was a junior developer. But once I went over that jump and started coding, uh, my salary went up and I got a, now I have a really nice car, Charles. (laughs) Finally, all those years. Well, I I wish I had done that sooner is my point. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because, you know, you mentioned all of your cousins and, and, and people like that. And what I find is the people that are successful, it's not because they themselves are anything special. They're just willing to do what other people won't do. 
Absolutely. And the biggest thing that they're, especially when it comes to developers, the biggest thing that they're willing to do that other people won't do, which is really the number one thing that I've seen all of the developers, I've worked with a lot of junior developers and I've trained a lot of junior developers, the ones, the ones that are going to be successful, one out of a hundred that will be better than any of their peers are the ones that will spend their own personal time. They'll go home on yeah. the, at night or on weekends and they will learn new things and, and other people like they won't, right? But if you're going to go home and listen to podcast, if you're listening to podcasts on your own free time and you're choosing to do that, you're going you're gonna to grow and you're going to mm-hmm. surpass your peers. That one thing, it's not because we're smarter than everybody else. It's because we work. Yep. Well, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've done a bunch of coaching for junior people trying to get a better job or people trying to get their first job as a developer. And yeah, it, that's really what it comes down to is, well, what, what does the employer you want to work for want? And then they start thinking about that. Okay, can you do those things? No. Well, if you take half hour every night, can you learn those things? Well, yeah. Well, that's what you need to do. And it's right. just taking that step. It's putting in that effort. And it absolutely is. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's more fun to play Xbox sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's, that's not going to you know be what? what pays off for you. When you say, and, and, and here's, and I'm saying you as, as me personally, right? Because I mm-hmm. thought for years that programmers were smarter than everybody else. I yeah, really we're just thought born that. that way. I believed that, but you know what? You're letting yourself off easy. If you think that, if you think, oh, well, they're just smarter than me and I can't do what they do. You're letting yourself off easy because that's not it. You can do, you, you can be a programmer. No, they're not. So to me, this is a crazy, I'm like the queen of bad analogies, okay? But this is a crazy analogy. <laughs> being a programmer is like being a cashier in a grocery store in this way. And I know this is crazy, but go with me on this, right? So when you're a cashier, when you first start your job as a cashier, every time someone comes to you with produce, you have to look it up, right? Bananas is 40-11. You get that pretty quickly. A lot of people are buying bananas. You got apples, you got your, and then there's the weird stuff like the eggplant, you know, or, or uh, a turmeric. You got to look that up, right? But if you've been working at that, at that grocery store for a long time, pretty soon you're going to have those memorized, especially the most common ones, right? So it, it's the same thing if you're a mechanic, right? You're, I mean, you're going to learn something. You're going to learn more as you go along. And, and it seems so simple when we're talking about produce codes for, for vegetables. But programming is the same way. When you first start, it seems so overwhelming because you have to learn everything. You have to look up every little thing. But the longer you do it, the more you don't have to look up, the more you know off the top of your head and you're rocking and rolling. Well, and, and to take the analogy just a step further, you punch those numbers in without thinking about it anymore. Yeah, you, you, you get know, faster. You get used to how the, where the barcodes are on the cereal boxes and you, 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 know, you just kind of automatically turn it the right way and scan it. And, and that's what it is. I mean, the, the developers that get more done, that do things the right way the first time, it's, it's not that you know, they just have this intuitive knack for where things are. They develop that intuitive knack by doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And that's exactly. what you're talking about with doing it on your own time is that you, you get another iteration or two in every week and that's what gets you further ahead than everybody else. Right. And then, and then you have to turn it around because you see all these experts in front of you but what you don't see are all the beginners behind you. Mm-hmm. And if you, all you have to do the day you start teaching them is the day that you, at least for them, you become an expert. Yep. hundred percent. And it's crazy because that day, like I, for me, so, so to go back into like my actual story, right? So for a long time I was, I was uh, administrative help and I worked very hard and I, you know, I, I had a house and I, you know, I did okay. 
Um, but I, I was never going to really get anywhere in my career. And once I actually learned a skill and I started coding, then the sky's the limit, right? Break mm-hmm. through that glass ceiling. And now I'm on even footing with, with everybody else, right? Um, and I have a nicer car. So, but even when I started programming and, uh, and I got that nicer car, it was probably about five solid years that I was programming kind of in a vacuum, right? I, the only other, well, for the first year or two, I, <laughs> okay, when the first time I joined a development team and I had um, other developers, because the first year that I was doing uh, design, web design, I was freelance and I was just like building WordPress sites for people, right? And then I was, uh, I got a job in a, in a web design shop and I had other developers uh, to work with. And I found out the first week that I worked there that all of them hated Internet Explorer and it wasn't just me. And I was so happy. It was like, these are my people. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that, that everybody struggled with that. And then once I found out they struggled with that too, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is so great. It was wonderful. The problem yeah. is I stayed stuck there um, I mean, not stuck there. Like that team was a great team, right? But it was, I, it was, it was a very small world for me. And I saw, um, I saw Dan Walline and John Papa putting stuff out for Angular, right? And I was super excited about that. Um, but they just seemed like such, like on another level. Like I could never be like that. Um, and I stayed probably kind of in my own little world. I was on a development team, and I would collaborate with my team. But within my team, sometimes, especially when I got into Angular, I was the First, I was the initial adopter. I was the early adopter. I didn't know anyone else who was using Angular back then. And so uh, I really spent a couple years struggling a lot and trying to learn online and learn on the docs. And and it was just, there wasn't a lot out there. And when I started, you know, so there's plateaus in my career, right? Where I spent a long time um, as as an admin. And then I spent a long time as kind of a lone developer, right? As soon as I started participating in the community, uh, my my skills and my salary shot up so quickly. It was like I, I learned so much faster and I became an expert so much faster just when I started talking to people. It's not like I'm suddenly smarter. That's not what happened. It's just being out there and participating in the community made me more powerful as a developer because I can collaborate and I learn faster and I'm teaching other people, which I didn't realize when I teach other people, I learn so much faster. I didn't know that. I didn't know I was going to start making more money when I started, you know, uh, speaking at meetups and speaking at conferences. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't doing it for the money at all. Um, but it's so now I recommend that to people very much. Like you have to get out of that little hold that you're in and start participating in the community because everybody out there, they're such wonderful people. Yeah, I, I had a very similar experience. I had been programming uh, professionally for what, like three or four years? And then we started this little thing called Ruby Rogues, which kind of spawned all this other stuff, you know, all the other shows. But um, I was talking to James Edward Gray and Avdi Grimm. If you're in the Ruby community, you know who these people are. I uh, got to be really good friends with David Brady, who actually wound up when we first met, we're looking at each other going, where do we know each other from? And then we went to church the next Sunday and saw each other. Oh, 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 oh right. You know, we live like two And you didn't even know that you were Ruby people. Right. We, we We'd seen each other at church. We lived literally two blocks away from each other. That's um, so great. But, uh, you know, it was, it was interacting with those folks and um, kind of building those relationships and, and getting to know each other. And, yeah, then having the conversations where it's, well, my experience, we've done things this way. Well, my experience, we've had these problems and done things that way. And it's, it's that building off of each other. And you mentioned, like, uh, John Papa and Dan Walleen and those guys, right? 
they're not out there. They are out there experimenting on their own, but they talk to each other all the time, all the time. Uh, John and Ward, I swear every week on uh, Adventures in Angular, if we have both of them on, it's like, well, Ward and I were working on this, or John and I were, you know, and yeah, it, it, it happens and you have to make sure that it happens. Otherwise you're going to miss all those opportunities for growth. Absolutely. I, I, and I think, you know, one big lesson that I learned that I think we could probably share with everyone and, and your show is such a good example because you have these like big names come on. Right. And they're like, these are, these can be very intimidating people, especially like if I go to a conference and I'm an attendee and I don't know any of those people and I've never heard of, you know, or maybe I've heard of them because I watch their tutorials online, but like, I can never like walk up and speak to them. Like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. There's one rule um, just for average, normal people who have no name recognition. If you're an attendee or you're at a meetup and you want to go up and speak to somebody, there's one rule for you, right? Um, Be nice. That's it. That's the only rule. Don't go up to them and tell them that whatever they wrote is crap. That's not nice. Right. But if, if you have questions, um, you know, if you're excited about something that they wrote, I mean, go up and say hello and tell them that, that they wrote something that helped you and, and, and approach these people in, in a nice way. And if you're a nice person, like that's all you need. Nobody is like, it's almost like you, you're sitting in your chair and you're thinking, you know, I really want to go say hello, but what are they going to do? Like yell at you for speaking to them? No, it's not like the queen of England where you're not allowed to make eye contact. It's not like that at all in this community. You know, you just have to be nice. And like, you're so nice. And you what you've had this show, what, eight years, eight years you've been doing this? Adventures in Angular, I think it's five years. Were you ever like super nervous about a guest? Like if you ever had like a somebody on who was like somebody that you really admired and respected? Who made you nervous? I, I, I have a story. <laughs> you <laughs> want to turn know. the tables here now. You gotta... No, no, it's fine. Um, so I, I got into programming seriously in, in Ruby, Ruby on Rails. Uh-huh. And uh, so one year at RubyConf, I think it was RubyConf. It might have been RailsConf. Um, I was just walking in to sit down for the keynote. And this was back when I was just doing my own show. It was just me. And if I had a guest, I'd talk to him. And if not, I would just talk about whatever I was working on. And uh, there was a seat open. And the seat was right next to DHH, David Heinemeyer Hansen. I don't know if people know who that is. He created Ruby. People on. know who. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People know. So, uh, so I'm, like, I'm like, do I dare do it? And before I knew what I was doing, I was sitting down next to him. And I introduced myself. And then I told him I had this piddly little podcast. Um, so I've been podcasting for about 10 years. Um, but, you know, Ruby Rogues was started eight years ago. Anyway, so I sit down next to him and I start talking to him. And I mention that I have this podcast and ask if he'll, he'll come on. And he looks at me and I don't know if he wanted to or not, but he said yes. And so um, he came on my show. Yeah, I was, I was nervous as heck. And then um, we start Ru- uh, Ruby Rogues and one of my co-hosts invited him on. And same thing, you know super nervous. The other one that made me nervous. And, and again, you know, it's just like, it's this big name. I don't know anything about him other than that. They're, you know, somebody that everybody's heard of was Brendan Ike when we had him on uh, JavaScript Jabber. And it turns out he's like this super cool guy, you know, they always nice. are. Yeah. They it's it's are. so funny. And, you know, and I've been working with him. He's, he's really busy now with stuff going on at brave and stuff, but um, you know, I, I reached out to him again to come back on and talk about TC39 and things like that. And I've been working with his assistant to make that happen. Um, but yeah, you know, these, these people are, are super accessible. I mean, it's, it's really funny. I've seen people that had come talk to me, told me that they appreciated the show, let me know that they were a junior developer, hadn't even been programming for a year. And I'm walking down the hall at a conference uh, an hour later, and I see them huddled over a laptop with a core team member. 
Right, right. You know, yeah, because it, once you start talking and once you start participating in the community, you will learn very, very mm-hmm. quickly. Like, because the thing is, I think there's this whole, I mean, a, a lot of programmers are like shy people, right? We're not known yeah. for our, like, we're, we're a bunch of nerds. I mean, come on. This is the one thing we all have in common, right? And social skills are not necessarily the, the, the it's not like we all have the greatest social skills. We don't. And a lot of uh, software developers are introverts. But the thing is, we're all nerds, right? So once you yeah. get to know these people, like they're all nerds in the same way. Like so many software developers are like big Star Wars geeks and big D&D geeks. Like, like, like oh, we're yeah. all nerds in the same kind of genre. And, and then there's no judgment here. It's like this safe space and it's okay for, for us all to be nerds. And I think um, the biggest ones probably that intimidated me were uh, Ward Bell. When I had Ward Bell on, I was like, mm-hmm. but I love Ward Bell, right? But I was like freaking out because I, I really admire him. Uh, Thomas Burleson came on my show one time and I was super excited about that. And Jeff yeah. Cross. And of course I was like, major imposter syndrome and and um but you know it's it they're such nice people and all the people that i was really um intimidated by uh because they were kind of quiet when i first met them and i didn't really know them very well but once i got to know them super nice hans larson from the mm-hmm. cli team i was super scared of him because he's quiet once you but then once once you get to know him he's such a nice guy and he's super yep. silly very a lot of these people that are quiet when you first like once you get to know them they are silly like so silly Yep. Well, the other thing is, and this is interesting too, is that um, I found that in a lot of cases, and then I'm going to veer us back onto the normal track for this interview, <laughs> is that they are, um, they're specialized in the area they work in, right? So you, you talk to Mike Ryan or, you know, Brandon Roberts or somebody about NGRX, and they can tell you inside and out how NGRX works. But when it comes down to actually putting it into an application, there are other people that are better at that than them. Absolutely. And, and some of the smartest core contributors, some of the big people who have written this really amazing code, does that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best teachers. Yeah. Because some of these guys nerd out. They start talking about stuff that's way over my head, right? Because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. It's easy to do. Yeah, but but I think that's where a lot of our imposter syndrome comes from, is the fact that man, I I I, w- I wouldn't even know where to start talking about NGRX internals with those guys. But, the, the but you don't want to start matter. talking about it. Like you want to start right. talking about NGRX internals with Thomas Burleson because he's the type of person that can like, he will break it down and make it seem so simple. Right. Yeah. But then if like, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, some people. The, the, the useful part of NGRX is how to implement it in my app, not the internals. That's so, true. That, yeah. Good point. Good point. So, so they know more about NGRX than I do, but a lot of what they know about it isn't necessarily useful to me until I have to go do something weird with it. Yeah, and I think that when you've been there for the whole development process, that you like it seems like some things are um, common sense, mm-hmm. and you don't. Rem- and and really, if you go back, like like uh, there was a guy in my meetup because um, I run NG Houston, right? Uh, yes. Which is now on YouTube, by the way. Uh, we have a YouTube channel with a lot of wonderful things. Uh, I have people come on YouTube and just teach us some Angular thing. Uh, anyway. I had somebody, one of the guys in my in my group, uh, Reggie here from here in Houston. He said, uh, "Kay, can you have a can you do a, an RxJS show?" And I was like, "What's RxJS?" <laughs> this was a while ago, right? I didn't even know what RxJS was. Uh, and I and and he said he wanted to learn about it. And I was like, "Why don't you learn about it and teach us? Because it sounds really cool, and you sound really passionate about it, and you sound excited about it. So you should put on a." And he was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I can't do that." But he did. He did. Yeah. Um, and 
sometimes a beginner is actually the best teacher, which seems counterintuitive, right? It seems like you can't teach that because you don't know that. But actually, that's not true because you can. And, And sometimes you're even a better teacher than the guy who originally wrote it. Yeah, well, if I don't know anything about it, I want the guy that just learned it. <laughs> right, 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 exactly, exactly. Because, because, oh, this was really hard, right? The, the people that take all that really hard stuff for granted are the people who have been doing it forever. And I'm going to get stuck on stuff. If right. I'm and intimidated because yeah. it seems so. But yeah. yeah, exactly. If I'm just learning something that I've never done before, I want a beginner to teach me. I yeah. don't want the guy who originally wrote that stuff and, you know, thousands of lines. It's all this complexity. Like, I don't want that because I'm going to get intimidated. Yeah. So beginners are actually very good teachers. And if you're a beginner, like if you don't think you can teach, you have to remember that and just, yeah. and just do it. Just do it. You're going to be nervous. If you, I think the public speaking thing is more terrifying than anything. When I first started NG Houston, my first talk was supposed to be 45 minutes and I did the whole talk in 10 minutes flat. Cause I'm, cause I talk really fast when yep. I'm terrified. Right. So I was like, it was horrible. It was very tragic. It was, it was, yep. but, but I got better and now people see me and they think I'm so relaxed up there. And I'm like, well, yeah, now, mm-hmm. of course now, cause I got over it. Yeah. I'm going to push us back on track on our interview. Cause uh, we are a little bit time constrained. How did you get into Angular? Uh, NG repeat. Really? I loved NG repeat. I was so excited. So I was actually mm-hmm. doing, um, I was doing PHP and then uh, I, I did some Ruby on some, we had some, the company I worked for bought a Ruby on Rails website and they were trying to hire a Ruby on Rails developer. And I was like, well, give it to me. Let me see if I can figure it out. And I bought a Ruby on Rails book and I was learning Ruby on Rails. And then I had started kind of getting into Symphony. Um, and there was this whole, there was backbone underscore. There was like mm-hmm. the whole framework, you know, fatigue yeah. thing going on. Um, but then I, there was uh, some guys that I was working with who, who showed Angular to me and they showed me something they had written and I was like freaking out. I was like, you just do this little edgy repeat and you can put a loop right there in the HTML. And I was like, this is amazing. You had me at hello, you know? Um, so, so I got a job. Um, I, was, I got a contract job and they just want, they actually were looking for a jQuery developer and they wanted me to write a little um, thing that was going to go inside of a SharePoint page. And it was just supposed to be a jQuery thing with some, you know, buttons. It was like a... Um, uh, filtering a list, right? Mm-hmm. Show all this client data and filter it with a with a checkbox at the top or a series of drop downs and checkboxes. And I was like, well, why don't we just put like a thing like on the Google page where you just start typing whatever you want and it filters. And they were like, oh my God, do you know how to do that? And I was like, yeah. And so they hired me immediately, right? And I put in an ng repeat with an ng model, which was exactly what I saw on the AngularJS website. And then they thought I was really smart and I was like, uh-oh, because then they, like, my boss's boss saw it, like, my first week, right? They think I'm, like, this rock star developer. Then they, they <laughs> take this little app that, and all I knew was ng-repeat and ng-model, that the, the little to-do app, <laughs> that's all I knew, right? But then they're, like, super impressed with me. Oh, because, you know why? Because I threw in some Twitter bootstrap and, like, some rounded corners on the buttons and made it, like, really look Ooh. nice. So then they think I'm like this rock star. So then my boss comes in and he's like, oh, my boss's boss just looked at your site. He's really excited. He's going to use it for all the different. So now, all of a sudden, this little app that I wrote started growing. My boss's boss's boss wants to use it for all the departments. They're throwing all these features at me. They think I know what the hell I'm doing and I don't. And I didn't know anything about Angular or how to write a custom directive. I didn't even know anything about architecture at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was just NG all the things I, I didn't learn until much later when it was time to go to development, when it was time to actually run to production on this after I built 
all these functionality and all these amazing features. And I built this really cool stuff. And then we tried to move it to production. My 20 rows of data became 5,000 rows of data because we're going to production. <laughs> and it took like a minute and a half to load my page because, wow. because I had NG everything, NG this, NG that. I was having a great time. Like mm-hmm. I NG'd everything, right? And then uh, the SAS, you remember Sasquatch, the uh, uh, Scott Moss talk from 2014? Uh-uh. Anyway, so it was a disaster and I painted myself into a corner and I had to learn Angular like fair because then like they already thought I was really smart. And so they start throwing all this stuff at me and I'm like in a, I'm like in this tiny little office at the end of the hall that was like the size of a closet trying to learn Angular straight from the docks. It was stressful. It was very stressful. Yeah, so... So I'm going around at that point, like asking everyone I met, because I'm like panicked. They keep asking me, oh, Bonnie, when are you going to be done, right? It took me like two weeks straight to learn custom directives. So I was asking everybody, do you know Angular? Do you know Angular? Do you know Angular? Uh, And everybody was like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of Angular. Uh, And then slowly people started coming back to me going, hey, aren't you the Angular girl? So I accidentally became the Angular girl because I was looking for somebody smarter than me who could help me because I was so stuck and I was stressed out. And, um, and so, yeah, then I started a meetup and, and now I, I just accidentally became the angular girl. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then I was a subject matter expert in this really cool subject in like two or three years. So that was That's kind of amazing. Awesome. That That's amazing. And, and it's interesting. I, I just want to poke at a few points here because again, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing this just to kind of show people, Hey, look, um, everybody has kind of a different story. And these are some of the principles you can pull out of it. And here it was, you weren't really an Angular expert. You, you knew and you repeat, right? Uh, I don't you, think I'm an Angular expert now. Like I look around at the other people and I think they're so much smarter than me. But yeah, because I, because I was a beginner teaching the other beginners that were like two steps behind me. Like uh-huh. at least I knew how to make a customer directive. By the time right. someone else came along asking me, and I really struggled with that. So when I did start my meetup, one of the things that I said, or like I was doing lunch and learns and I was like, hey, this is something I'm going to focus on today because this is something that I really struggled with. But custom directive was very hard for me in the beginning. Well, this was like way back at Angular JS, right? But there, here's why I wanted to, to teach it because once I figured out how to do it, it was very powerful. Mm-hmm. Same thing with RxJS and NGRx, right? Same thing with GraphQL. That's one of my favorite topics now because a lot of people don't know, they, they haven't done it. Like they don't even know what it's for, right? By the way, if you haven't heard of GraphQL, it's like the next evolution of REST API. It's amazing. If you're, if you love, if you're using REST, you need to learn about GraphQL at least a little bit. Anyway, um, the point is that it was so powerful that I really wanted to learn. I really wanted to teach that and let other people have that magic power. Well, and again, it comes back to the point we were making before, right? You did the thing that other people, surprisingly, they want to know about GraphQL, but they're not willing to go do the work to, you know, take some video courses or whatever or learn it. And so you learn it and then you teach it to them. And that's why you're perceived as an expert is because you took the time to go learn it before other people were willing to do so. Really? I think, yeah, that's exactly. And I think being a GDE, right, which and that's like, for me, becoming a GDE was like a, a huge, like angels wept, right? Um, because like, I never thought I was an expert. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm like officially, like I have like an official, like Google developer expert. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I feel so great. And I feel so, so cool. Right. Because all the people that I admired were GDEs and now I'm a GDE. It was, it was really exciting. But the thing is, if you want to be a GDE or if you want to be an expert in anything, really the, just the process of going out and watching all the, because I, it, in order to wrap my head around something new, 
I sometimes, especially if it's an advanced topic um, or a new concept, right? Sometimes I have to learn it three or four times from three or four different sources. And then I have to understand it. Like that's a process that I go through, right? Another thing is I will write it. I actually, I, I, I go through spiral notebooks like crazy. And I know this sounds weird, right? And I never will actually go back and read them like ever. But the process of writing something with your hand on paper actually helps it stick in your brain. And I thought my husband taught me that and I thought he was crazy, but it's true. You guys, I swear it's true. So I have all these notebooks, but yeah, just going out and learning things and then distilling it down into an hour and teaching it for a meetup or a conference. That is exactly, I mean, that's, it's a great skill to have and anybody can do that. Yep. I I completely agree. So as you've gone on with Angular, you, you've done a few things that are, I, I guess, make you somewhat well-known and are, some, are fairly interesting in the Angular community. Um, I, we did talk to Sam, your daughter, about her... My child component. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, about how she got into coding, and I encourage people to go back and listen to that. Um, you also mentioned NG Houston. Um, I'm curious how you got that rolling. Yeah. So I went to, uh, this is actually a really good story. Uh, I, so I, you know, I was here in Houston, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not exactly a hotbed of, of innovation because oil and gas um, uh, tech is a cost center. You know, it's like accounting. It's like, it's like HR. It's not the, the real rock stars in oil and gas are the engineers and the geo geologists, right? Right. Uh, so I if was you can find here, more oil more quickly. You make them more money. Exactly. You're a rock star, right? Um, so I was trying to learn Angular and I was really going around asking everybody, right? Are you an Angular developer? Do you know Angular? Because I was asking everybody because I was really legit looking for somebody smarter than me at that point. And uh, then I heard the first time I ever heard of an Angular conference, which again was one of those moments, right? When angels were singing and I was like, oh my goodness, it was NG Paris. Well, I had never been to Paris. I had an 11 year old Chevy at the time. Like I couldn't even imagine going to Paris. I was a single mom for many years. So I didn't have any money. I mean, I did once I started once I became a developer, I, I was starting to make more money. But, you know, I'm, you know, fixing up my house, getting new carpet, that kind of thing. Um, I still didn't have Paris kind of money. So then, so I didn't go. But that's when they were talking about um, the very beginning of uh, they announced Angular 2 was coming out, right? That was like the, the big thing that happened that year. Uh, and then a few months later, I heard about um, NGCon in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, Paris seemed so far away, but... Salt Lake City, I was like, oh my goodness, like I have to do this. So I go to my husband, I'm like, I really have to do this. And I went to my boss and said, hey, can you send me to NGCon? Because at that time, like I was running Angular training for other people within my company and teaching actually other people Angular by that time. Uh, and my boss said, no, we don't have the money to send you to NGCon. So I was kind of irritated about that. And, but I was like, hey, you know, I'm a reasonable person. I was like, well, how about you meet me halfway? Throw me a bone. Just, just pay for my plane ticket and I'll pay for the ticket or vice versa. You know, you pay for the conference ticket and I'll pay my own. You know, let's like split it half and half, right? Um, they said, no, we can't do that. I'm like, well, what? Pay my like baggage fee? I mean, come on. Or, or at least like pay me for the time that I'm gone because this right. is training and I'm going to come back and teach everybody here. And they were like, nope, sorry, can't spare a dime. Um, so I was like, okay, that's fine. So I went to NGConf completely on my own dime, which was expensive. You know, the travel, mm-hmm. it was like $5,000, especially because I had to take the time off unpaid, right? Which was ridiculous. right. But um, so what I did was I went to NGConf with resumes, which was a gamble. Admittedly, it was a game because I was five, <laughs> like, I basically cleaned out my savings. I didn't have any money at that point, right? Wow. But um, when Brad Green said, you know, he, he did the keynote that year and he said, 
you know, we're here because we, we love our community and, you know, this is, we want to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? What, what, what are you doing here? What do you want to gain from this? What can we do to help? Um, and so it was this hashtag why, why, why I'm here. Right. And I said, yeah. uh, my boss wouldn't pay for me to come to NGComp. And so I paid for it myself. And because I love Angular that much, because I'm, a, because I'm passionate about it, because I think Angular is amazing. And it's, it's just really powerful. I can do so much. I'm a much better developer right now that uh-huh. I have this, this I'm standing, what is it? Standing on the shoulders of giants. Right? Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. Like I am so, everybody thinks I'm really, really smart now because I know Angular and it's like, it makes me look really good. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, and so it's important to me and it's worth it for me to learn more and for, to learn the new Angular 2 stuff that's coming out. You know, it's an investment in my own career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Brad and I said, Hey, how do I find Angular people in my community when I get home? How do I keep this excitement going? Uh, how do I collaborate with other Angular people? Because there is not a meetup. I, I can't find a meetup in Houston or even in Texas. And he right. said, you need to start a meetup. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I want to go to somebody else's meetup and sit in the back. Like, that's me. I don't want to start a new. I don't know how to start a meetup. And he was like, just do it. He said, you don't need to. I said, I'm not an expert. I'm not qualified. And he said, you're passionate about it. And that's all you have to do. Start a meetup. You have yeah. to have that passion. And so I did it. And that's, and then now I have this, I learned very quickly not to take myself too seriously because I was terrified, uh, uh-huh. especially in the beginning. But people were so nice to me that it's, it quickly became not terrifying anymore because I don't have to be perfect. They were so grateful to have someone to talk to Angular about or talk about Angular. Right. They were very nice to me and I learned very quickly there's nothing to be afraid of because the people in the Angular community are so warm and nice and accepting and nobody heckled me. Nobody threw tomatoes at me. Like they were so nice to me. So yeah, if you're thinking, if you, if you want to collaborate and participate in the community, find a meetup near you, go talk to people, try to like actually go and teach them something. Right. Um, and if there's not a meetup near you, start a meetup. And if it's terrifying to you, that's okay. Lean into it because it's going to be good. I swear. Yeah. There's a terrific talk from uh, Cascadia Ruby, and it's done by um, Miles Forrest. And he talks about starting just a small coding meetup up in British Columbia, about an hour and a half outside of Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't take a genius. You don't have to, you know, food helps. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Developers love pizza after work. Heck, yeah. So, but it's just the passion. You just have yeah. to be passionate about it. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to claim to be an expert. And that's the thing. If you if you want to start a meetup because you want to further your career, that's not necessarily like if you really if if you're not terrified of getting up on stage in front of people, you're probably not doing it for the right reasons, right? Because mm-hmm. the most the best people, the best speakers, the best conferences, the best meetups are the people who are who actually are scared. Yeah, like they're not doing it because they feel comfortable up there. They're doing it because they love Angular or they love what they're talking about. They're so passionate. Like you get these people to start nerding out over things that they love, and it's fascinating, right? Yeah. that's why they do it. And and you and you love Angular. Like I, for me, I loved Angular so much that I pushed through the fear of getting up there and talking about it because I just didn't care about that. Like I want to talk about this with other people. And I found other people who were passionate about it. And that's how it started for me. It wasn't because I was smarter than anybody else. That was never, it was never even part of the equation. Well, if you can arrange for food to show up and a place for people to meet, a lot of people will self-select. This is something I kind of want to come back around to maybe in another episode. There are a couple of other things I wanted to touch on before we wrapped up the show. And so I'm going to change the topic a little bit here. You mentioned that in your consulting 
you're running into some issues that people run into on a regular basis. And I'm kind of curious about that because most of the consultants I know, they generally go in, they get a technical specification of some kind, they make a plan, and then they're just building stuff. And it seems like you're going in and you're actually like talking to the teams and helping them figure out how to build stuff better. I have been hired on as uh, an expert several times after they should have probably already hired some, like basically if you have a team of people who are writing Angular and they don't actually have any formal training and they're kind of learning on the fly, which is, I mean, that's how all of us like, right? Yeah, that's how I do it. As we go, there's nothing wrong with that. But Angular is so opinionated um, there is a right way, right? And, and, and so here is the number one universal thing that I find, um, because I do, I come into these teams sometimes when like they've already got 10,000 lines of code and they have serious problems. And that's when they realize like they need to spend the money to hire an expert because Angular experts sometimes are not cheap, right? Because there aren't that many out there. Um, so, so the number one thing that I find that these guys all have, not guys, that, that these teams all have in common is that they're writing a lot of code that they don't need. There's a lot of functionality, um, specifically uh, reactive forms, RxJS, DOM manipulation, those three things. If you don't know how to use these amazing tools that Angular's given you, you're going to end up just writing more code. You're going to write hundreds of lines of code that you don't even need because you don't know that Angular will do all of that for you out of the box. So if you're very good with Angular and you know how to do it, you end up writing beautiful, succinct code. It's very elegant. That does a lot. It's, it's powerful, but it's not a lot of code, right? So I think the number one mistake that I think that I see people make um, consistently across teams of people is they write a lot of code that they don't need. And, and beyond that, I would say the number two thing is um, the common, the most common thing is not breaking apps into modules. Uh, I was just recently hired huh. on a project and they said, we have performance problems and we need you to implement lazy loading. But guess what? They had a massive application that was literally all one module. Well, how am I going to implement lazy loading if it's all one big, huge module, right? You can't tree shake components. You have to tree shake modules. So if you have, if you have, you know, 50 shared components in your app, each one of those needs to be its own modules so that mm-hmm. you can tree shake. And if they are, and if you have that written correctly, Angular will do all that for you. You don't have to like write a bunch of code in order to tree shake. It's done. It's, it's automatic out of the box. Yep. But there's these little architectural things like break it into modules. Every component should be its own module so that you can tree shake them, right? So that you can lazy load things. If, if, mm-hmm. if all of your pages are the same, are coming from the same module, you're not, you're not lazy loading anything. I, I, think, I think there are two things that I got. You know, we talked a little bit about this before the show. And there were two things that I, I just wanted to call out here. One is, is that if you're struggling with this stuff, folks, you're obviously not alone, okay? Right. Um, I mean, I ran into this learning Rails. I ran into it learning Angular. Right now I'm learning Vue and I have Vue experts look at my code and they're telling me, you don't need to do that and you don't need to do that and you need to make sure you do this. And you know what? It's, it's common. It's just the way it goes. So having somebody with some experience who can look at it and just pick those things out is really, really crucial. Yeah. And you know what I've been doing, which is not really something that I intended in the beginning, but it just seems to work. Um, I, I actually move around and I try to spend about between six weeks and um, three months on each team. And then I try to move on because I don't really want to sit there and write all of their stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I, cause I have a short attention span, right. I have things to do, but what I, what I really like to do is go in and really 
um, read the code and understand it and, and start, of course, you know, I, I start reading the code and I start immediately going, okay, okay. So I have a lot of questions and, and I want to understand how it works and what this does and what, and I, but I see, I see a lot of commonalities, right? There's, a, I see recurring themes, a lot of reactive forms, right? Um, a lot of, there's a lot of input fields. There's a lot of this going on, or, or I see, you know, you have uh, state management is going to be really, really crucial here. And if you had state management, like this would really improve your life or, you know, let's, so what I'll do is go in there and start looking at the current app that they have and what they're doing and what they're struggling with specifically, where the code's not dry or, you know, where there's a lot of code that they don't need and, and really immediately schedule training on those specific issues that relate to that specific team or that specific architecture. Mm-hmm. And then I will help them kind of some of the stuff, like if you've already got all this code, that's very brittle, it's hard. You can't really touch anything without breaking all of it. Right. So I kind of will help them untangle it and help them, uh, you know, start breaking things out. You once you start breaking a very large app into separate modules, you you come up with what I call spaghetti dependencies. Um, so I try to help them get all that straightened out and help them really get a solid architecture uh, and rebuild just the backbone of it and get all that into place. Get some training, and then I usually move on like Mary Poppins. Uh, and and I just finished. Um, I just finished a project, and uh, and now I have um, Angular Connect in London next week, and then I have Belgium in December, and then. Sam and I are going to Paris and then starting in January, like I'm officially unemployed. So if you do have a team and you need that kind of help and you don't want to hire an expert permanently, then hire a Mary Poppins expert to come in and spend, you know, some time with your team. Um, yeah. I was going to say, you know, I've, I've been a freelancer. Um, I encourage my guests not to be shy about telling people how to hire them. How do people hire you? I mean, just reach out to me. Uh, I, my Twitter DMS are open. So I'm Bonster75 on Twitter. That's probably the best way uh, to reach out to me. Um, I'm going to, uh, as long as you guys promise not to spam me because I have a specific email just for spam. Uh, and this is not it. Um, but my Angular uh, email is bjbrennan75 at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter or you can shoot me an email. Just please don't put me in your marketing database because I'm really trying to avoid that with this email address. But yeah, I, I, I just... You know, there are a lot of people that I that I talk to. Um, sometimes I have junior developers that I mentor and I'll just jump on a hangout sometimes and just help somebody or, or you know, I'm not going to like do your code for you, but I will almost always point people in the right direction. Uh, if there's a specific thing that you're struggling with, if there's like, you know, you're really trying to figure out a GraphQL or a routing issue or there's like one thing that you're really stuck on and you really need an expert, uh, if you reach out to me, I will usually, I mean, if I can, and I usually can, I, I'll just point you in the right direction and say like, hey, here's, you know, here's a ThoughtRam blog post that, that really goes into detail about this very well. This is such a good explanation of this one specific thing that you're struggling with, right? Um, and, I, and I'm happy to do that. But then, you know, sometimes people have questions or sometimes it, I can help you in an hour. If it's going to be a, like a recurring thing, like, hey, I need to spend 40 hours looking at your code in order to help you with this, then, you know, we're going to talk about, um, you know, billable hours. But but right. if it's something, sometimes if I can help you in an hour and just kind of point you in the right direction, I'm happy to do that. You know, I love that. Nice. Now, we've got about five minutes and then we kind of need to get to picks. You, you mentioned that you also are a GDE. How's that been? I love it. I love it so much. I, I never even knew that I wanted to be a GDE. And when I, when I realized that I wanted to be a GDE, I actually didn't know what GDE stood for. I just knew when I started going to conferences that I, I met these other people who were the most kind and amazing people, uh, and they were all GDEs. And they had these, like, it said GDE on their, on their sleeve, 
right? And I, did, I didn't know what GDE stood for, but they were just the coolest, which by the way, GDE stands for Google Developer Expert. But I didn't know that, but I wanted to be one because all of the people that I admired and loved the most were GDE. So it's like, these are the cool kids, you know? And I just wanted to be one of the cool kids. And so then I was nominated to be a GDE and I became a GDE and it was an amazing thing. And, and yeah, a GDE is, is, it's a pretty valuable thing for, um, you know, consulting. Like I, I did get a, uh, my billable rate went up, which I didn't even predict. I didn't even think about that. The important thing is if you want to be a GDE, what GDEs do, GDEs are early adopters, right? GDEs are the people who go and figure out how to do something new and then turn around and help other people trying to figure out that same thing. So the number one thing that you need to do is really get out there and start, you know, make sure that you're keeping up with the latest thing, Angular 7, right? Go and find out about Angular 7 right now. It's, it's uh, what, October 29th when we're, I don't know when this is going to come out, but like it's the end of October, like uh, sometime November, right? Angular 7 is the latest thing. Go and figure out if there's breaking changes, if there's, you know, if, if you don't want, you want to wait for everybody else to figure it out and fix all the bugs before you really dive into it. That's totally fine. I, I was like that for a long time. But if you're going to be one of those early adopters, go ahead and dive in and then find out what's cool and how to do it and turn around and teach other people. That's basically the definition of a GDE. And if you want to be a GDE, the, the way to become a GDE is go ahead and start acting like a GDE now. And then you will, and then they'll, they'll just, you know, ping you on the head with a fairy wand and uh, you'll become a GDE. But the way to become a GDE is to, is to act like a GDE and go and start learning and teaching people now. And uh, don't take yourself too seriously. That sounds awesome. Now, you had a pretty unique experience at the last GDE Summit. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Uh, the proper care and feeding of developers. Okay, so there, well, first of all, I have to give a shout out to Medusha because Medusha is an amazing host. And I didn't know Medusha before that um, Waterloo Summit, but he was amazing and he was really good to all of us. And it was a great experience. Uh, and one of the things that we did was, it was right after the summit um, that they set up a networking event with some startup groups, um, some entrepreneurs and some experts, right? So we had uh, like a, half of the room was was experts and the other half of the room were these startup entrepreneurs. And then we were supposed to get together and, and chat. And basically the experts were there to help them with whatever they felt like they wanted help with, right? Um, and so I was going around and, you know, there's so many introverts out there, right? And I see them and I want to help them. Uh, so I, I was kind of going around and picking up the stragglers. Like there's somebody who like really doesn't want to approach an expert and they look kind of terrified. Right. So I'd go up to them and strike up a conversation. Uh, and I found it, I didn't expect this at all, Charles, but I kept finding the same questions coming from complete people that didn't even know each other at all was, um, how do I work with developers? There was two guys that were best friends. Uh, one of them was a graphic designer. One of them was a developer and they came up with this great idea for an app. Uh, it was an idea they were really passionate about and they believed in it. So they, so they started a company together and started building this app and almost weren't friends anymore at all because they just were like really at each other's throats and they really were struggling and they were not getting along with each other. And oh, then wow. uh, later on, they actually came up with another great idea because the first app, I think, actually did work out. Um, but it, it really was so challenging for their friendship when they came up with a second fabulous idea for an app. Then they came to me in Waterloo and said, hey, how can we build this app and still be friends <laughs> with each other, right? Um, huh. And about and I talked to them about it for a while. They were really, they're great, um, really smart young guys. And then, uh, you know, a little while later, somebody else came to me. She was a girl who had been a graphic designer, but she actually was so amazing that she had been promoted and was now a product lead, right? She's a product oh, wow. owner working with developers. And she said, I'm not a developer. And and what, what can I do to, you know, make 
to be a good uh, team lead, right? For, for the people who, because I'm not a developer. So I ended up kind of giving these two um, people the same advice, which is, and then on the way home, I started writing an article, which I haven't finished yet, um, proper care and feeding of your software developer, right? Uh, and there were some tips in there. Like, I think my favorite one, there's maybe, you know, half a dozen and we could roll that into another episode. Um, but my favorite one, I think we should. I don't think we have time to do it justice here, but the I'll give you I'm, one little preview. Tip. I'm on the, I'm on this same kick. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, group your meetings, right? Le- give your developer some uninterrupted time that they can kind of schedule, right? Because they work better. Um, if you have a meeting every hour, they're never really going to get any work done, right? But if you know that your developers have to be left alone in the afternoons because that's when they get their best work done, or it could be mornings, right? Go ahead and schedule all your meetings in the morning and leave them alone all afternoon. Don't even talk to them, right? Or, or flip it around mornings, whatever, vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, keep those meetings short. Stand-ups are supposed to be short. That's why they call it a stand-up meeting, people. Um, but yeah, just little tips like that, right? There's a lot of other things that you wouldn't even really know if you're not, but like things like, you know, developers need uninterrupted blocks of time when they can focus. And if you're bugging them to ask them questions on Slack every 30 minutes, yeah, really, like you don't realize how much that interferes, but it really does hinder the productivity. So just little things like that. I'll make an article and then, um, and then I'll come back and we'll talk about that more because I, I love that topic. I didn't really know. I mean, it seems like common sense for me because I've been doing this for 10 years now, but I didn't know. And, and it's such a good topic because people were just asking me questions about that. It was weird that they were both asking me basically the exact same question, like within half an hour of each other and they didn't even know each other. That was, it was crazy. I, I think it's interesting too. I mean, the GDE summit is basically for the GDEs to get together and get to know each other and talk to each other and to talk about the technologies that Google uh, has put out there for us to use. And yet you're talking about these basic things about how do I keep my developers happy? I mean, I, I wanted to be a GDE because all the cool kids were GDEs and I just wanted that logo on my, on my sleeve. Right. I just wanted to be cool because they were cool. Right. But I didn't even know the wealth of resources available as a GDE. Um, Really the biggest number one thing that, that, that I, the value that I get from it is the other GDEs really hands down. Like this this is the biggest guru network. These are extremely incredibly smart people. And it's not just angular people. It's across the whole suite of Google products. Like you've got cloud experts, you've got Firebase experts, you've got yep. you know so many experts and they're such cool people. And these people are the type of people that would take time out of their schedule to teach other people new things and not ask anything in return. I mean, that's kind of the number one thing that you have to do in order to be a GDE. So number one, these people are highly intelligent. Number two, they're really genuinely nice people. And there's like a whole network of them that you get to tap into when you come to GDE. And if I had known that, like the, I just wanted this, the, the logo, right? Cause I wanted to be cool, but it, it mm-hmm. goes so far beyond that. It's just there. It's an amazing program. Yeah. It, I've gotten some of the same effect from the podcasts, right? I mean, I have a group of past guests that are experts in different areas and are totally willing to make contributions to the show one way or the other, you know, either in time or helping us promote things or things. And yeah, it's the same thing, right? It's like, uh, I'll have somebody ask me a question and I'll be like, okay, well, here's the episode that this person did. I know that they're still up on this stuff. So let me email them and see if they're willing to help you out. And it's funny how often it's, you know, it's, it's some, you know, I I don't want to say some nobody, but they're not a well-known person that I'm trying to get help for. And they're like, oh yeah, totally. And absolutely, they'll help them out. Or if I run into a problem, they'll help me out. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's really, really amazing 
how many people are out there that are willing to, to pull something for you. They're so nice. And the number one fear is like, I don't want to ask a question online because I don't want people to, because it might be such a stupid question. And so many people will never speak up for just because of that. Like how, if yeah. that's the reason that you're not participating in the community, you just need to get over it right now. I'm telling you, just stop it because that's crazy because this is such a wonderful community. You will be a better developer. You will be more empowered, more confident, and you will make more money. So yes, ask a stupid question. That's how you start. Well, and I can tell you that uh, I've been doing this for, you know, software development for more than 10 years. And I have been told that I asked a stupid question exactly twice. And both times, um, I'd wind up talking to another friend of mine who I trusted, who knew the person I had asked. And inevitably, it wasn't, yeah, that was a really dumb question. Inevitably, the response was, well, why did you ask them? They're a jerk. Exactly. I was just thinking that when you were telling that story. If somebody tells you that you asked a stupid question, it's not a stupid question. It's because the person who said that wasn't a very nice person. Yeah. Really? That's it. That's yeah. it. And people in this community don't do like they're not going to. The only thing, like I said, the only requirement is you have to be nice. If you want to go up and talk to an expert, be nice. That's it. That's the only requirement. Well, and I will tell you that at least for me, in a lot of the cases that I run into in this community and in development at large, the best conversations are the ones that really challenge the way I think about something. And so if I can get more people in that will challenge the way I think about things, I, I'm happy to bring you in too, <laughs> whoever you are. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, you'll find that a lot of people have a healthy outlook like that. And if you're comfortable enough to ask them a question, even if they're a little bit introverted, they're comfortable enough to answer and they're probably grateful to be able to talk to somebody about it. And one more, I know I said there was only one rule, but now there's two, there's like a rule and a half. Um, if you, if you have a question and you're stuck on something very specific in your code and it's like a specific use case and you're trying to, which is like everything, right? This happens all the mm -hmm. time. Try to make it as easy as possible for me to help you. Yep. If you just say like, Hey, I have all like, you need to isolate it into a stack blitz and send me a link to that stack blitz and explain to me exactly the more specific, I don't want to review hundreds of lines of code just to get the problem, right? Uh, extract it out into a stack blitz and then I, and, and make it easy for me. And then I want to help you. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not even that I don't want to look at hundreds of lines of code. I don't have time. Like I'm totally willing to help you, but yeah. most people, yeah, I, I don't have a couple hours to, to pour through everything there. So yeah, if you can simplify it so that it, like you said, it's easy to help you out. I'll take 20 minutes and do a quick code review on something simple. And there are Angular consultants. A lot of GDEs do consulting, right? So if you, it, it is okay for you to, I mean, if, if you need an Angular consultant for like five hours to sit down and focus with you and give you, you know, if, if you want me to give you my undivided attention for five hours, then, you know, let's talk about a billable rate. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, you're going to go hire an Angular developer full time. You might not need that. But if you're trying to figure it out and you've got a team, especially if you're a team lead or an employer and you've got a team of people who are trying to just figure that out on their own, you're going to end up with maybe a mess, right? So it's, it's actually cheaper to get them some help and get them some support and have an expert that you can call, even if it's three hours a month, you know, you can do that. Yeah. The other thing is having been a consultant, I can also tell you that uh, most consultants are more willing to, you know, so they consult with you for five hours and then you come back a few months later with another issue. They're more willing to pull you in than somebody new that they don't know yet. Right. Right. And so once you and have I think a lot of people don't know that's even an option. Yep. 
All right. Well, we're kind of at the end of our time and we hit most of what we wanted to talk about. Definitely got to pull together some episodes uh, with you, Bonnie, about some of this other stuff. But if people want to find you online, where do they go? We talked about Twitter and email. Are there other places? I mean, I have the YouTube channel on Angie Houston. So it's so Angie- good stuff on there, too. Really, it started because Houston is a huge sprawling city with bad traffic issues, right? So even if you are in Houston, it's kind of hard to get to the meetup. Um, So I started uh, live streaming it. uh, And now we do sometimes almost every week. uh, But there are maybe um, a year, a year and a half worth of of episodes. There's probably 50 or 60 episodes. I just tell people to come on and teach us something cool. Um, And we've we've had Mike and Ryan on a couple of times teaching us about NGRX. Um, we've got some CLI stuff. We've got a lot of stuff on there about RxJS. And it's just, yeah, I mean, we have some some really amazing experts that come on and just teach us stuff. And then obviously you can find me on Twitter, uh, Bonster75, and I follow a lot of cool people and I retweet a lot of cool stuff. Um, my Twitter, I, I really stay away from, you know, politics or, or anything like that. My Twitter is almost exclusively Angular stuff and, and uh, uh, coding techie nerd stuff. And sometimes Samantha, because, you know, she's my daughter and I'm very proud of her. And that's Angular related, too, because she's, she's doing a lot of Angular stuff. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Twitter and uh, YouTube um, is probably the best way to look for me. And if you do need some Angular help, right, if you want somebody to come in and, and uh, do a Mary Poppins and just do some focus training on your team, then, you know, shoot me an email, uh, shoot me a, a Twitter DM, and, and I'm happy to help. Awesome. Well, uh, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Something old and something new, right? When I was starting out, there were a couple of blogs that I really found to be very reputable because there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of information. You're, you're Googling error messages and you're trying to find stuff. And it's, it's a, there's a lot of stuff out there and not all of it's really good, right? I would say if you're learning Angular or if you're, even if you're getting into more advanced stuff, um, ThoughtRam, the ThoughtRam blog is, is a wealth of really, I mean, they are so good at teaching and just making things seem super, super simple. Uh, Corey Ryland is also an excellent teacher. Uh, that's Ryland, R-Y-L-A-N, Corey Ryland. Uh, Angular In-Depth has been kind of amazing. And uh, there's been uh, Maxim, I can never say his last name, but go to Angular In-Depth and, and look up Maxim because he, he does some really amazing advanced DOM manipulation magic. That's great. And then uh, I'm going to say Stephen Fluin. If you have not seen Stephen Fluin's YouTube channel, um, there's a bunch of like little five minute things on there that's just like really great. I just I don't know. I I just love his YouTube channel and he's been putting a lot of content, but he's like very quietly putting a lot of content up there. 
Um, and, and he's not really promoting it a whole lot. So I think it's kind of a hidden treasure. So go check that out. Yeah. And congrats and, oh, oh, to him and his thing. wife. They had, they just had a baby. Did they? Oh, no way. Yeah. That's, it's he's been, gonna it's be such been a all over my Facebook. He's I see. Yeah. I don't spend enough time on Facebook. Uh, Stephen Fluent is so much fun. He's just, so, he's like a, yeah. a, yeah, he's a gem. Um, and I was, okay. One more quick thing. Like I want to go out in this whole NG Houston thing. Um, like I said, we have a YouTube channel and sometimes we have experts come on, but here's the thing, you guys, sometimes we have beginners come on, right? If you are thinking about doing a talk for a meetup, or if you're thinking about maybe you want to like think about be a GDE, you want to come out of your shell, um, but you're really terrified at the thought. NG Houston is a good place to practice because we do sometimes have um, beginners come on and teach us things, right? So if you're a beginner and you've never done a conference talk and you've never done a meetup and you've never, and you're really scared about that, um, just maybe come on and just be a panelist, right? Um, like I said, the only requirement is you have to be a nice person. Um, but NG Houston is a good place for, um, if you're a beginner and you want to start participating, come and hang out with us because uh, we, we welcome that. And we're very, and we don't take anything too seriously. <laughs> and it's kind of a small show. So it's okay if, if you come on NG Houston and you say something really stupid, it's okay because nobody's going to see it. So it'll be fine. We just won't tell anybody. It'll be our little secret. Well, and I've run into people that want to get started speaking at conferences and the users groups and uh, smaller venues like NG Houston are a terrific way to do that. And you can actually yeah. ask people then for feedback and you'll get pretty focused feedback from a handful of people who are sitting in the room. Absolutely. And when you do submit a talk for a conference, Sometimes they'll ask you for a, a, like, like, you know, if you're doing a meetup, like you can take a risk on a new speaker, right? But if you're doing a conference, I mean, there's a lot of money involved here. People are paying to see you. And so conference organizers have a lot more pressure on them to, you know, to guarantee quality. So they're going to want to see something that you've done before. So even if you just have, you know, one episode of something that's online that you could say, here's a talk that I did, right? And all I ask, I mean, I do want quality on NG Houston too. Like I want you to t take the time to put together a, a presentation and show us a code demo and, you know, show us how to do something, teach us something cool. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It, it benefits everybody. So yeah, come and come and hang out with us at NG Houston. Yep. hundred percent. All right. I'm going to jump in here with a few picks of my own. Um, the first one is, um, and I mentioned this to Bonnie at the start of the show, but I'm going to start a new show. Um, I'd kind of been thinking of for a while about what I was doing and why I was doing it. Cause to be honest, I was getting a little bit bored with the way some of the shows were going. And uh, I don't have time to be bored, but I was anyway. <laughs> so uh, I decided to start a show and it's going to be me. And then occasionally I'll bring in guests that are experts in a particular area that I want to cover. Um, but the, the show is going to be the DevRev. And uh, that stands for the Developer Revolution. And the reason is, is because um, I, I go out of my way to talk to people at conferences and people who listen to the shows. And a lot of times there's some aspect of what they're doing that they, they're not happy with. They want to contribute more to open source or they want to learn, uh, you know, Angular or some other language or framework more deeply. Or some people, they just wish they had more time at home or could make a little bit more money. You know, it doesn't have to be these lofty, selfless, community-focused things. I mean, whatever it is that makes you happy. Um, but you know, they're lacking in some way that, that thing. And so I'm putting together a show that's mostly focused around how do I get what I want yeah, out of my developer career. And so, I love that. so, um, and, and so it's the developer evolution, right? It's us taking control of our own 
destinies. And, you know, to some degree, we definitely need the companies that hire us. And, you know, we do have to give something to what those companies are about. But what I find is that there are a lot of people out there that would be delighted to work for some companies and will be completely unhappy working for others. And so find the company that makes you happy. Find the company that gives you the options you're looking for. I don't think you're going to find a company that just pays you to watch Netflix all day. But, you know, if you really love coding or if you want your career to be in coding so that you can support a snowboarding habit or something, I mean, whatever. Um, that's what this is about. So if you go to thedevrev.com is, is the domain I'm going to set up for that. I'm, I'm going to start releasing that show. It's probably going to start out with doing it a few times a week and then grow into a daily show. And it's not going to be that long. We're talking 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes if I have a really long topic. But yeah, it, it ties in with the book I'm writing about how to find your dream developer job and some of the other things that I'm working on in, the, in that way. Um, but yeah, if, definitely check that out. That, that's something I'm going to be working on. And some of the things that I talked to Bonnie about, I'm probably going to have her come on that show and we'll talk about it for a half hour instead of possibly uh, Adventures in Angular or some of the other shows that we have out there, just because it, it hits squarely what we're after there. And then um, I do have some other show ideas that I'm working on, but this is the show that I'm imminently starting. So I just wanted to throw that out there. That sounds very cool. And where do we find this show? It'll be on devchat.tv. But yeah, if you go to thedevrev.com, that, that's where it's going to be. So that's anyway, so cool. I'm, I'm just going to shout out about that, I guess, because uh, that's kind of where my brain is these days. Um, well, I love to chat with you. So I'm yeah. happy to come back anytime. Just let me know. Send me a ping. And I will put you on my calendar because uh, it's really it's really a pleasure to come on the show. Well, it's it's nice just to talk and go, oh, yeah, that that lines up with my experience or to say, you know what? My experience has been a little bit different, but the principle behind it is really important for people to understand. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite things is like there are so many things I wish I had figured out sooner like how to cook, right? I can cook. I'm a good cook now, but I, for the longest time, I ate the hor most horrible food because I didn't know how to cook. And, and, and as a developer, there are so many things that I wish that I had learned sooner. And I love sharing those things. And if you're younger coming along, or, and I'm not talking about younger as a person, I'm talking about younger as a developer. Mm -hmm. um, then it's so good for, and, and you're the same way, Charles, obviously, that you really like to share your experiences and help other people kind of learn faster from based on your experience. Yeah, definitely. Especially don't go through the pain that I went through because there's no reason for you to do it. I'll just tell you how to not do it. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's an awesome show right there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Bonnie. I'm going to go ahead and jump off, but I really appreciate coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>